From the Tulsa world, this is the OU Sports Extra Podcast, sponsored by Albert G's Barbecue. Here are your hosts, Eric Bailey and Mason Young. All right, it's Eric and Mason back talking Oklahoma football. It's Iowa State week. Had a chance to talk to Brent Venables on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, had a chance to talk to seven players Monday after practice. Had an opportunity later this evening to talk to some more players. Uh, 4-0, great start for the Sooners. A lot of momentum going into Iowa State week. I know everyone's already looking to the first Saturday in October game against number three Texas, but there's business to be taken care of on Saturday, but a lot of momentum, a lot of confidence, a little bit of swagger going into Saturday. Yeah, I mean, obviously, anytime you start off your final season in the Big 12 before the SEC with a solid win, you're feeling good about that. And, you know, even looking back to a year ago, OU really fell flat um, to start Big 12 play. And so to not have that happen this time and to come out and, and to put together a strong defensive performance where you held Cincinnati without a touchdown, I got to think that's encouraging for to OU for the players and coaches uh, in regards to what they feel like they're going to be able to do moving forward. Oklahoma 4-0 only has allowed 34 points after a 20-6 win against Cincinnati on Saturday. A lot of talk about the defense, and rightfully so. Only allowed three touchdowns in four games. Uh, Brent Venables mentioned the word elite on during his press conference on Tuesday. said he doesn't think this is an elite defense yet, but he likes the way that this team is trending on defense. Mentions every time we talk about defense, says there's a lot of work to be done. And here's a coach that has he knows what elite defenses is. He knows what Oklahoma looked back in the early days of the Bob Stoops regime. He knows what Clemson's defenses was like when they were winning national championships. He knows what elite defenses are. But that same breath, he really understands what this potential of this Oklahoma defense is. And I've just been impressed with how he's handling the the building blocks and what they're what they what they're becoming and uh, again and again the word affirmation is being said and everything that Oklahoma is doing everything that we're seeing it's really affirming what he's preached during the offseason what he preached during fall camp and what he preached during non-conference what they're teaching is we're seeing it on the field we're seeing eight interceptions in four games we're seeing stops on third and fourth down we're seeing how they're getting the ball back to their offense and you know there's a reason this team's playing with a lot of confidence because everything that the coaches are are teaching them is being affirmed on the field yeah I think one of the biggest hallmarks of Brent Venables as a coach right now is he's keeping guys hungry we talked to a couple linebackers after practice last night and Danny Stutzman he just had a 13 tackle day against Cincinnati and you know, was already playing himself into a Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year conversation and maybe even some national defensive awards. But he was asked about looking at the Cincinnati film, and he said that they left a lot of meat on the bone. He feels like there's a lot more uh, that they can accomplish. And talked to Kobe McKenzie as well, one of the younger linebackers that's getting some time. And he mentioned how he feels like, and I guess everybody collectively feels like, that they're not anywhere close to being the number one defense in the country. Um the stats don't show it. Obviously, there's improvement, um, but you know they aren't they aren't number one. They truly aren't. And so, just keeping that mindset of just being hungry and wanting to get better every week, I think it's important for them coming off a season where uh, every week was just kind of a, you don't really know what you're going to get. Now the expectation is okay. We did something good, but how else can we improve every week moving forward? 
Meat on the bone. That's funny because Brent Venables mentioned that so many times that when he talks about improvement, there has to be meat on the bone. It's funny, the jargon being used by the players. You can tell Brent Venables not only says it to the media, he says it to his players during uh, during their breakout sessions, during the team meetings. It was funny. When we were talking to Brent Venables, he, he's asked probably about 15 to 20 questions during a press conference. And one of the questions was just about where the defense was at. It was just seemed like a simple, simple question today. He had about a nine-minute response to where the defense was at. It just seemed like a simple question. You can tell he's fired up about this defense and where there's at. He's excited. You know, he doesn't show it with his emotions. You know, early on when he was first named a head coach, you could see the excitement in his answers, you know, the tone of his voice. It was just fired up. It, it's He's more uh, monotone with his answers, but yet you can really sense the excitement when he talks about his defense and what the potential is. It's, I don't think he's really excited about where they are now. Like, you know, we get the answers, but I think he's excited about the potential. And, you know, he talked about P.J. Adebore. I'm saying his last name wrong. I'll never say it right. I promise you in the years that he's going to be here, I'll never say his right his last name correctly. And Peyton Bowen, the two five-star freshmen, you know, he's excited about their potential. He really is. You know, they were five-star guys coming in. He, he, they're building blocks. They're just pups, but they still have some some serious growth ahead of them, and he's excited to where they are. He's excited about a, a an older veteran player like Woody Washington, the leadership that he's providing. He's a mentor of those young cornerbacks. He's proud of Woody and what he He's done in that room, you know, and we mentioned Stutzman and, and, and the growth that Stutzman has had as a leader of this team. I think there's so many tools on that defense that he's seen that I think that's what excites him. And while the tone and the excitement you may not hear in his voice, you can almost see it in Venable's eyes and you can really feel it from just the way he talks about, you know, his words about this team and how excited he is about the potential about the potential of this defense. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of the guys he was asked about and uh, P.J., uh, we'll just stick with PJ and, <laughs> and Woody Washington. Uh, but he also had some elicited, unsolicited praise for a couple other guys. He talked about Key Lawrence, who's you know probably going to be a starting safety for this defense the rest of the season with how he's played through four games. Just his growth and maturation after you weren't sure going into the season that he was going to have uh, a significant role or as much of a role as he had had in years past. And he also completely unsolicited, Venables did, brought up Marcus Stripling, who we really, I guess, probably didn't even think that he was going to have a role at all on this team. And here he is the last two weeks getting pressure on the quarterback and, and playing himself and practicing himself into a bunch more snaps. So uh, there, there's you're seeing two different things out of OU's defense right now. You're seeing the young guys come along, but you're also seeing some veteran guys that you thought maybe had, had tapped out uh, find another gear. And I think that all of that collectively, as you said, Eric, has to be really exciting for what this defense can be this season. Oklahoma is going to face an Iowa State team that uh, found its way against Oklahoma State. I think a lot of teams are finding their way against OSU. The Cowboys are struggling this season. Uh, this is an offense that's led by Rocco, say his last name, uh, Becht, I want to say. Uh, am I saying it wrong? Like that. I think that's correct. <laughs> 27 to 38 for 348 yards against the Cowboys. Jalen Noel. Eight catches for 146 yards, big game in 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 the in the wide at wide receiver. So Oklahoma's going to face a team that found a little bit of confidence. Um, this is an Iowa State team that has not lost a fumble all year. They take care of the ball really well. Um, only allowed one sack all season, so they really protect the quarterback well. Uh, Oklahoma's have to find ways to get to the quarterback. One thing Iowa State has had trouble doing is scoring, though. Uh, you know they did score 34 against Oklahoma State, but they've only averaged 18 points against Power Five competition. So it's one of those games where I think if Oklahoma can do what it's been doing, 
That is allow. They're only averaging allowing an average of eight point five points per game. If Oklahoma can maintain that low scoring uh, attack on defense, uh, they shouldn't have any issues. Yet you still have to execute. You still have to play well on third downs. Uh, still have to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, contain the run game. Uh, Oklahoma should be in good shape defensively against the Cyclones. Yeah, you know I'm really not concerned about OU's defense at all going into this matchup, given how well they're playing and and also just kind of the general ineptitude of Iowa State's offense this season, aside the Oklahoma State game kind of being a mulligan and maybe a little bit of a surprise as to how good they were. Uh, I think the biggest concern, and maybe it's not a concern, but it's just a question mark going into this game is OU's offense because obviously uh, Dylan Gabriel didn't have a very good game against Iowa State last year. It was his lowest passing yardage total um, in a full season, as as we've talked about. Um, and Iowa State's passing defense is, you know, the best in the Big 12 and, and kind of in the upper echelon of teams in the country. So if you're not, if it's going to be another SMU situation where they're going to blanket the receivers, they're going to do everything they can to take away the deep ball, uh, then OU's got to be able to adjust. And right now the running game just isn't there. They average three yards of carry against Cincinnati season low 103 yards they still don't have anybody out of the four running backs they've used that has established themselves they're gonna have to find it this week um, because that's how you're gonna beat Iowa State more likely than not and it's also the kind of momentum on the ground that you need to establish to take into the Red uh, River rivalry against Texas where uh, rushing prowess is always very important Let's not do a deep dive into Oklahoma's offense against the Cyclones uh, you're exactly right this is an Iowa State team that just does not give up the big play on offense in the passing game. They're only allowing 177 yards per game passing. Uh, you know what? They haven't allowed a 300-yard passer in 19 straight games. It's been a couple seasons since they've allowed a 300-yard passer. Dylan Gabriel only had 148 passing yards against them last season. It's the lowest passing number that he's had while playing a full game. He's had two two uh, numbers that were lower than that, but he didn't play a full game while he was at UCF in, in Oklahoma last year when he got hurt against TCU. He threw a, for a, a lower number than 148. So this is something to keep an eye on. Oklahoma's offense is going to have to be patient. Uh, you know, they're going to sit back. It, it can almost be like another SMU game where Iowa State's going to dare Oklahoma to run the football. And can Oklahoma run the football? That's the key. What running back – or is Jeff Levy going to use? DeMarco Murray has a big say in this. You know, what we're finding out, and, and Brent Venable said it today, who's going to have the best week of practice? Man, you imagine the value in that running back's room going in every Monday, knowing if you're a running back, you better have a great Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday if you want to get carries on Saturday. Every time you go out, it's an audition. And this week, it just sounds like Javante Barnes, going into Cincinnati, it sounds like Javante Barnes and Gavin Salchuk didn't quite have the same practice week as Tawi Walker and Marcus Major. Yeah, 100%. From everything we heard after the game, Marcus had the best week of practice, and that's why he got the lion's share of the carries. I'm still really confused about the Tawi Walker situation. He obviously didn't play hardly at all against Tulsa or Cincinnati after running for 117 yards on SMU. Is he really just that bad in practice? Like, like what is going on there? I just don't understand how, um, after he had such a great camp and he was named a co-starter before the season and he had a good game against SMU, He's not still getting more opportunities. Um, but to, to your point, uh, you got to hope that Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck, better days are coming for them in practice because we saw in the Cheez-It Bowl at the end of the season and with Barnes for a good por- part of the season last year that those guys have some talent and, and they can help this team win. 
Sawchuck's very explosive. Uh, Barnes is is very physical. Uh, but if they don't show up in practice and they don't earn the right to play, then there's not really much to say about that. Um, so good on Marcus Major for I guess how steady he's been this season. Um, obviously he didn't he didn't play a lot against Tulsa, but that was by design to try and get Barnes and Sawchuck snaps and. You know, maybe Major is the guy that's going to kind of emerge, um, and maybe it's Tommy Walker too. I still just really kind of wonder about him. From a throwing standpoint, if they are able to execute in the passing game at all against Iowa State, the matchup I want to watch, Andrell Anthony versus TJ Tampa. TJ Tampa is one of the best corners in the Big 12. Last year in Ames, he gave Marvin Mims absolute fits, pretty much held him to the worst game of his career, and for Marvin Mims, those didn't happen very often. So, if Dylan Gabriel chucks it downfield, what's that one-on-one between TJ Tampa and Andrew Anthony going to look like? I think it'll be fascinating to see. Well, real quick on the running backs, man, uh, playing time is a great motivator. And four weeks into the season, uh, practice. If playing time is dependent on practice, man, I, I think the message has come across to those running backs that you better practice well if you want to play and get carries. I, I, I think that's absolute. And uh, if you're not getting carries, you better practice well. So I think that's it. But yeah, going back to the passing game, you're absolutely right. Uh, last week, last week or last year, excuse me, uh, Oklahoma only had two passes over 15 yards against Iowa State. Uh, Jalil Farouk had both those catches, a 41-yard catch, a 19-yard catch. You got to get Farouk involved in this game. I mean, he's just a playmaker with the ball in his hands. Uh, I think, uh, again, if you can get the ball in his hands, find him the ball in space he can make things happen but can it happen and you're right anthony uh he's two weeks in a row 100 yards receiving he's 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 developing into that playmaker that you thought he would when he came from michigan he's already exceeded in four games his whole career at michigan both in terms of receiving yards and in receptions so he's having a heck of a career and you know brent venables mentioned this when he talked about getting uh, Andrew Anthony through the transfer port or Michigan wanted him. They wanted to keep him there. Uh, but Anthony for him, gosh, what a, what a decision to come to Oklahoma. You know, there, there's two different styles of offenses, Michigan and Oklahoma. He came to Oklahoma for a reason. He's getting the ball. He's getting these opportunities and, and good for him. And I'm really curious to see, you know, is he going to hit a thousand yards? What do you think? Um, you know, will Andrew Anthony, do you think he'll be that thousand yard receiver? Jeff Lebby said that, you know, this offense is at its best when it has a thousand yard receiver. Uh, right now, Andrew Anthony through four games has 371 yards. What do you think, Mason? Is he going to hit that thousand yard mark? I think he'll get close. Uh, I don't, I don't know necessarily if he'll pass it. Um, you know, more and more teams are going to continue to do what we're talking about, what SMU did, what Iowa State did. They're going to take away the deep ball and, and, and start to key on the run. Uh, but, you know, Andrew Anthony's volume through these first few games is definitely encouraging. I think we kind of just thought that, you know, they they might just he might just be the big play guy. Like they might just chuck it to him 50 yards down the field. Uh, <laughs> and, and that would be that would be it. He'd have one or two of those big bang plays every game and that would kind of be it. But no, I mean, his volume is good. He's coming up with several receptions um, every game uh, in it. And in, in addition to making those big catches down the field. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think if he doesn't get there, he'll get close. Uh, I, I'd say there's a good chance of that. You know, the one player I'd like, we'd mentioned Jalil Farouk and, uh, you mentioned Andrew Anthony, but the one player I'd like to see the ball in his hands more is, uh, Nick Anderson, man. We talk about the touchdown maker, eight catches in his career so far this season, or eight catches this season, uh, four for touchdowns. 
And you know what? He's averaging 27.9 yards per catch. <laughs> that's a nice number. And, you know, half his catches are have gone for touchdowns. So that's pretty big. Uh, 52 yard catches is long. Uh, he's just an incredible player with what he, what the dynamic that, you know, what he's been able to do. You know, his, his touchdown catch was what, was it four or five yards, I guess, in Cincinnati? That just killed his, his per catch average. <laughs> just a short ball like that. But he's having a heck of a career. Uh, and I just want to see with his size, you know, he, he's a good 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, uh, you know, what he's able to do, he's got the size, the build, the makeup to really, really be a, a big threat in this offense. And I just can't wait to see. He, we talk about, uh, Peyton Bowen, and we talk about PJ on the defensive line, defensive side of things. Nick Anderson on offense, he's going to be fun to see grow and develop as a player. Yeah, you you mentioned kind of the idea that that little catch destroyed his yards per catch. Must have been forty some odd yards about after before that. You think? I mean, all the <laughs> all the Tulsa touchdowns he caught, the three that he had against Tulsa were all pretty pretty lengthy. But yeah, it's. It's good to see him coming around. Obviously, he was injured last year, only played like three games, redshirted. Um, he's he's the brother of the former OU running back, uh, Rodney Anderson, who's now on the support staff working in the athletic department here at OU. Uh, so he de- Rodney dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. Sounds like from everything Nick was saying after practice yesterday, they were able to help each other through that. And now it's, it's just him being healthy and continuing to be his best self and uh, something that's been brought up a lot that I wonder if we're going to see. I think we saw it a little bit more against Cincinnati, but OU's really not having success with the tight end right now. Like Austin Stogner and Blake Smith really aren't involved in the passing game. They're struggling to block. Uh, maybe OU needs to run some more four wide. Um, I, I think that does a couple things for you. It gets Anderson on the field more often, and, and you've got a pretty good four on the field there with him, Jalil Farouk, Andrew Anthony, and Drake Stoops. There's going to be an opportunity to to go win some one on ones and and catch some good balls, uh, but also I think maybe that that kind of spreads the field out a little bit and maybe you're able to run the ball a little bit effectively, uh, more effectively if you're four wide as opposed to you know three wide with a tight end or whatever. So I wonder if OU will, will look at that a little bit more against Iowa State and see if uh, that gives them more playmakers on the field overall and maybe even opens up the run a little bit. Interesting. They did have Austin Stogner in the backfield a few plays uh, with four wide, uh, maybe pass protection a little more. Maybe you see a little bit more of that where you don't have a running back in, but you have Stogner in the backfield. Even, you know, just as a pass protector a little more, maybe you can seep out just different things, different looks you can have, uh, you know, those tight ends through four games. Five, you know, Stogner and Smith, you mentioned those two, uh, five catches for 48 yards. That's the production of that tight end. And that's just not going to do it. That's just you, you really miss what you had at that position, the H-backs position, the tight end position in years past. Oklahoma Oklahoma's just been spoiled with that position in years past uh, with what, what they've had. And it's just hard not to see the productivity of that position. Uh, it's just difficult. It really is. So um, injury from the injury front, I guess uh, Savion Bird, it sounds like he's going to be available this Saturday. Uh, that, that was uh, good news, I guess, for Oklahoma fans. Uh, injuries. That's the only injury update we really got, wasn't it? We did find out uh, last night from Brent Venable's coaches show that Jaron Kanick practiced on Monday and Danny Stutzman, I guess, said uh, that Kanick was good to go when he was talking to reporters after practice. I don't know if that guarantees Kanick will play, but obviously practicing at the top of the week and the fact that um, after that kind of scary chest injury that he got discharged from the hospital almost immediately, 
I think both of those things are are really good signs, um, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's just those two. I'm not sure if Bird. Uh, obviously, he was struggling a little bit before he get got hurt. I'm not sure if he immediately comes back and is the starter at left guard. Troy Everett played a lot of snaps against Cincinnati, and he was really pretty solid, especially in pass protection. So, I don't know. Maybe this is uh, going to see Troy Everett at left guard moving forward, and it's it's time for Savion Bird to step back and work on some things and and get ready for whenever his name's called again. Iowa State plays Oklahoma Saturday, uh, six o'clock kickoff on. FS1, so you got to kind of do some channel surfing to find the game. FS1, uh, it's been a while since the Sooners played on FS1. Uh, this is a, a interesting series. Uh, last three times Cyclones came to Norman, they've been kind of tight contest. Uh, everyone remembers 2017. They came to Norman and shocked the Sooners with a 38-31 win. Uh, that was a really, really good OU team, too. Uh, Baker Mayfield's final season at Oklahoma. And for Iowa State to come in and get a win, I think it stunned everyone. And that was a team that went to the Rose Bowl. Uh, 2019, uh, Sooners won 42-41, and they had a, to survive a two-point conversion. Iowa State went for the win that year. And then uh, two years ago, 2021, uh, Sooners won 28-21, but Iowa State had marched down to the Oklahoma three on their final possession to try to tie the game. So this is an Iowa State team. No matter what their record, they're going to play Oklahoma. They seem to play Oklahoma hard in Norman. And, you know, something else, you know, we see how much Iowa State has struggled this year. This this Cyclones team since 2017, since that year uh, that they, they came to Norman and won, they've only lost by 14, more than 14 points, only three times. They have they don't get blown out, so don't be surprised if Saturday Saturday's game's close. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it happens. And something just a weird fact, and I didn't realize this until I was doing a little bit of research on Iowa State and Oklahoma. Last three games they played the Sooners, they've outgained the Sooners. They've had more yardage than OU in the last three games too. It's kind of just a weird series stat. Yeah, it, it's really peculiar, and and really that I even thought like. I remember that 2021 game. I think Iowa State had the ball with a chance to win, and they came. OU came up with an interception at the end. Like it was just tight. I think that's just kind of the nature of these games. Iowa State's such a good defensive team um, that you know maybe they don't score very much, but they're going to sure as heck do everything they can to keep you from scoring. So uh, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. Obviously, for OU, you want to take care of business this week because you got Texas the next week. You can't look ahead too far, and so you know hopefully for the Sooners' sake and and also the sake of entering OU Texas undefeated and that being a really good, really marquee matchup. Uh, that's what they do against Iowa State. It's take care of business. Yeah. Can you imagine uh, just the, the how much luster that game loses? If either Oklahoma loses or Texas, they don't have an easy game either on Saturday. They, they host Kansas who imagine that uh, if, if, when, if Oklahoma and Texas left today, let's just say they left today, left the big 12, Kansas would be number one in the big 12. Who would have thunk that five years ago, that Kansas would be the team to beat in the big 12 conference. Uh, they reign supreme both in basketball and football. This is the, this is Kansas conference, in the big 12. Who would have thought that? So good, good for Lance Leopold and the Jayhawks. So it's going to be a fun game down in Austin this week. We'll see, we'll see what Kansas is made of going down to Lauren, uh, going down to Austin and uh, we'll see what Texas really is made of too. So two tough games for uh, both Oklahoma and Texas. And I'm looking forward to uh, OU Texas down there. Uh, 11 a.m. kick. Surprise, surprise. 
uh, ABC game on uh, Saturday, October 7th. All right. Well, Mason, uh, it's been fun. It's, it's been a fun year so far. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Of course, uh, thank you for listening to our podcast. You can get us anywhere you get your podcast, uh, Google, Spotify, Apple. Uh, of course, uh, everything, all our content, Ren Contact, TulsaWorld.com. Uh, Nate Fakin will be joining us this game, our great videographer. We'll have a lot of video from uh, Saturday's game online at TulsaWorld.com as well. We'll have a post-game podcast afterwards where we'll break down what happens on Saturday. Really looking forward to meeting you next week where we'll be previewing OU Texas uh, next Tuesday. Uh, that's going to be a fun game too. So, But, of course, there's business to be taken care of both by us in the media and by the football teams this weekend, in, both in Austin and Norman. So thank you for listening. Everyone out there, have a great week. We'll talk to you on Saturday after OU Iowa State, Saturday night, 6 o'clock.